Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Your teams are buried in manual work, tasks are taking forever to complete, and getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, then you should know these three numbers, 37,000. That's the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. Get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. With NetSuite, it's everything you need to grow, all in one place. Get your business back to the greatness where it belongs. Learn more at netsuite.com slash podcast 25. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. This week, Alyssa Mastermonico, Riri Cheney, and Z-Way Fumudo join to answer the following questions. Why is Michael Bloomberg? That's just the question. Why is Michael Bloomberg? Is hustle culture slowly poisoning our brains? Are we working hard or hardly working? And how does Elizabeth Warren find all that energy to text us so much? The news forecast is once again overcast with a 100% chance of bleak. We know President Trump confesses by accusing, while he also confesses by pardoning people who have done the same crimes he's done but wants to get away with. We're also waiting on a verdict on the Harvey Weinstein case, and every pundit's anxiety is being turned into a take about how Democrats are messing this whole thing up. Well, guess what? We're not going to indulge any of that. To find a silver lining, I'm going to call my friend, former White House Deputy Chief of Staff under President Obama and Sultan of Sweaters, Alyssa Mastromonaco. Hi, Alyssa. Erin. Um, <laughs> loving this. Um, I have an observation. Also, I'm looking at you on video, which is like... I know. Should, a- should we always do this or not? I mean, I wish everyone could see what we see right now. I know. It's Alyssa looking extremely cozy. Um, me with very harsh studio lighting. Uh, but it's great. It's great. It's good to see you. Um, okay. So uh, here's something. First of all, let me preface this by saying that I don't think pandemics are funny. <laughs> Which is a very <laughs> it's a good setup. <laughs> right. Okay. But I was noticing this week as we were talking about people that um were being quarantined after being on a cruise ship off the coast of Japan that cruise ships tend to have names like the Diamond Princess, you know, Jewel of the Sea or like Queen Emerald of the highest sparkling heavens or whatever. Like they all have mult like really, really femme names. So it's really like a jarring juxtaposition when it's like 400 passengers on the Princess Diamond cruise got the shits at the same time this week. <laughs> it's so funny. Like we- <laughs> when you were saying the names of the ships, I was like, or very successful dancers in Vegas. Yes, exactly. They have names like they have names that could be like feminine hygiene brands. And, you know, they're, they're like very, very femme. And so the juxtaposition of like mass illness and like these very femme, clean sounding names is it's kind of funny. 
I like think, the pandemic I think it's itself. Funny. The pandemic itself isn't funny. Like people getting diarrhea isn't funny. But if it's like hundreds of people at the same time on a boat that is named after like dainty royalty, then it's sort of funny. Well, as someone who has IBS, I really relate to dainty royalty. <laughs> All right. Let's get to uh, speaking of dainty royalty. Let's talk about the, uh, I guess, like American Aristocats? Aristocrats? Aristocats. The Aristocats. Aristocrats. Solid movie. I wish the Aristocats were running for president. Let's talk about the American Aristocrats that are running for president. Um, Mike Bloomberg. By the time everybody hears this, um, Elizabeth Warren will have hopefully um, unhinged her jaw and dismantled Mike Bloomberg live on a debate stage like a female praying mantis. Like Nachio shit. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully. But we're doing, we're recording this on Wednesday morning. You guys aren't going to hear this till Thursday at the earliest. So Alyssa, let's just talk about Mike Bloomberg being in the race in the first place. My first question for you is why? Why? Well, I think it's like, it's like his whole plan was to come in and take down Bernie and it appears to be like woefully backfiring. Yeah, that's really interesting. There was some new polling, I think, that came out earlier this week that found that like he was just taking down everybody but Bernie and Bernie was sort of like spiraling upward on a plume of sparks and, you know, middle class rage. And he was just really like everybody else was being taken down, though, like Joe Biden's shine is dulling. Warren is uh, dulling also in the polls. Um, Biden and Buttigieg are being they're all being like drowned out by Mike Bloomberg being ridiculous. It is. I mean, it is. Look, we both stipulate up front, whoever the nominee is, we support them. Everybody has the right to run, yada, yada, yada. However, this is bananas. <laughs> I mean, what about his campaign? I mean, there are a lot of things that, that make him annoying, but what about his campaign do you find to be particularly, to use your word, I guess, bananas? Well, I guess the bananas part, and it's like, look, We've talked about this before. I don't think that people who work on campaigns, who organize public servants, need to take a vow of poverty in order to be effective. So, like, I'm glad that there are people out there who are making a very livable wage working for Mike Bloomberg. However, he's literally vacuuming up all of the talent between New York and Cal Maine and California. Um, I mean, he's got thousands of employees and thousands of staff, and he's got more money than God himself. So I guess for me, I'm just like very stressed that the the cake's being baked. Mm -hmm. Like not only is he probably not going to win the presidency, he's fucking things up all the way up and down the ticket, like from small races in Maine, like you mentioned, to other people who are running for president, like Amy Klobuchar. Um yeah. Right. And it's like, you know, the thing that we talk about all the time is that people have to remember the presidency, the, the 2020 election is about a lot more than just the president. Right. I mean, that's like a huge part of it. But we have to keep the seats that we won in 2018. Like we have to make gains on those seats. And I guess that my concern is that, you know, he, he does say he's going to do all of this in service of the party and in service of Donald Trump. But like, I'm not sure how much appeal he has to drive people to the polls uh, for those kinds of races in in the fall. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's it's important to point out, in addition to kind of sucking up talent uh, by paying people more than most people can afford to pay staffers and paying a lot of them a lot, a lot of money, he's also taking money that could be, like he could be using his money to help people too. Right. Like he spent $400 million so far on a campaign. Do you know how much money Planned Parenthood gets from the federal government every year? Less than that. 500 million. 
It is. He is almost one Planned Parenthood. He's um, he, like, and he has supported causes that are important. To totally, him. he supported Emily's List. He supported. He's been a supporter of Planned Parenthood. He's been a supporter of uh, races in 2018 that elected women to office. There right. was a really good episode of uh, the New York Times podcast that I'm currently in a fight with um, because <laughs> of that Donna Rotano episode. Um, but there was a really good episode that kind of outlined all the ways that his philanthropy positioned him to be somebody that a lot of people are afraid to really come out and speak up against yeah. because you don't want to fuck with your money, even if your money is behaving in a way that's a little uh, questionable. A little, exactly, a little questionable, a little like, mm, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. I mean, do you think that Bloomberg has done enough to show that he's evolved from his past sexism and more importantly, his racism. I I mean, look, here's the problem is that Bloomberg on any day is not an emotive guy, right? He's not someone who comes off as like deeply empathetic or sincere. And I don't mean that in like a, a bad way. I mean, it sounds bad, but I don't mean it that way. But it's like, he's just kind of the guy of zero fucks. He's like, yeah, I fucking said, I'm sorry. Great. Move on. You know? So mm -hmm. like he said it, does he really mean it? Don't know. Does he really know, like, some of these things that he said, like, why they were flawed or wrong? Not entirely sure. He's kind of like one and done, like, move on. Mm -hmm. And it's 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 something that's worked a lot for Donald Trump, so you can't really blame him. But, you know, I don't know. The whole thing, Here's his whole candidacy, look, if he's the nominee, I'll fucking vote for him, of course. But his whole candidacy is a bit of a, like, I don't know. Yeah, he sort of seems like... He sort of seems like a, a less bad version of Donald Trump. Like he actually does have the money that he says he has. Not that having money is a good thing, but like no, lying but he's like, about being rich isn't part of his brand. He, he's like a he's real actually, millionaire. Like, you know, he can balance his checkbook. <laughs> right, right. He really like and he worked in a Wall Street firm. He's worked for people beside himself before, even though he has his own business. Although, by the way, when I worked in finance, I never once used the Bloomberg terminal. It like sat in this position in our like copy machine room and people would go use it. And it was just this weird. It's like a machine. At what buy point did you work in finance? Between during the crash, I actually caused the crash. I was there. That from, makes it's all coming together now. It was two thousand seven until two thousand eleven. Whoa. So I literally caused the crash. But the, I mean, Bloomberg is a huge name in finance because he sells like terminals to these places and he's become like a multi-billionaire. And also the outlet Bloomberg is a good source or it has been a good source for financial information. Um, but here's something I want to get back to is like he does seem like a like a less shitty version of Donald Trump. Like, yeah, he said he's I mean, I hate that. I'm like, yeah, he said sexist things, but, but <laughs> he he doesn't have any credible allegations of sexual assault against him. And the president has a basketball tournament's worth of sexual assaults against him. He's got so many sexual assaults. He's got how many does he have? Grab him by the pussy. That's all we need to know. Yes, exactly. And Bloomberg was making dumbass jokes about blowjobs in a book that was like, ha ha ha, look at our crazy boss. But, you know, he wasn't as mayor. He was uh, he he was in favor of policies that were aggressively racist. But right. the argument can be made that they're not really worse than what President Trump is. I don't want to vote for someone that I'm like, I don't know. It's it's like one of those really awful would you rathers. It's like, would okay. you rather have I was your gonna foot say, chopped off? I was going to say it's like an Alpo spam. Which would you rather eat? And like, that's not to say that 
Bloomberg, like the thing is, is that like six months ago, I would have been like, if someone asked me about Mike Bloomberg, I'd be like, yeah, fucking Mike Bloomberg. He's done a lot of good work. But now it, it's really hard to not get the vibe that there are candidates who have been in this race that have been vetted over and over again by so many debates in so many freaking CNN town halls. And now he's just got the money to to jump over that, right? And then pay money to have ads that are political ads that aren't 100% truthful or forthcoming. And so mm-hmm. in some ways, is that different than Donald Trump's use of the Twitter machine or his abuse of the Twitter machine, right? So that's right. the thing that's hard. I just feel like there are people who have worked really hard to come up with plans to make the country better, and they're kind of getting fucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had people who have spent several months crisscrossing Iowa eating God knows what fried foods in front of cameras, which is a humiliating thing to do. It's in front eating in front of a camera is humiliating. Um, but, you know, he, he did kind of skip the line and he's hiding behind all these memes like he's trying to meme his way into the presidency, it's which so I find odd. very odd and irritating. But here I found something positive what? about Bloomberg running for president. He is making me reexamine how I feel about some of the other candidates who were not my favorite. I I agree with that. Next to Bloomberg, almost like anybody else who's still in it, I'm like, actually, yeah, I prefer that person. I actually prefer, you know, my least favorite one of the remaining candidates to Mike except for Tulsi. It's like, well, you kind of want, and this is, look, people can yell at me or whatever for this, but like, I want someone with a little passion who's Mm -hmm. like, I fucking care about this country. I have so many ideas. Mike Bloomberg's kind of like putting everybody on ice. And he's just like, look, I got this. I'm going to become president. You're not going to have to hear me every day. You know, like I'm not going to abuse Twitter and like everyone just calm down. Like I don't, there was no motivation. Do you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. the, the motivation is to just be president, I guess. That's the difference. There's not like a baseline of here's how I'm so motivated by all these different issues and what I want to do for Americans. He may well believe them. I just don't mm-hmm. feel it. I And I also feel like we've been so freshly lied to by somebody who has made similar promises to Mike Bloomberg that we would be fools to believe him. I mean, even if he's more, I mean, even though he is more trustworthy than Donald Trump, we had before Donald Trump was elected, he was going to divest from his company. <laughs> he was going to be a serious leader. He was going to put him, you know, he was going to take care of the interests of America first, which Actually, he's been taking care of his own interest, you know, like all of these lies upon lies upon lies. And, you know, it's just not something I think that I think that if Bloomberg had had run before Trump had run, it would have made more sense. But this just feels like, why should we do this now? This would be a step back. Or and another thing I'm sort of colored by is that last week I did these focus groups down in South Carolina and one of the most sort of stark things I noticed when people describe the candidates is how they could recite Tom Steyer's bio word for word. And it's because Hmm. he's dumped a billion dollars into South Carolina and people are getting his message directly, right? It's like on their television when they're watching the news at night and they are getting his story without, you know, reporters asking him questions. I mean, he's been vetted, right? He's been in the debates. And so I Mm -hmm. guess with Bloomberg, it's like, that's just the thing. It's like, I just feel like, yes, he's mayor of New York, but he hasn't been vetted in the same way that all these other people have endured. 
Mm-hmm. And the more clips come out about him, the more I'm like, oh, God, we can't. This guy can't be the nominee. I mean, it's just like it's it's like a, a empathy issue for me. I mean, I would just like to see a smidge more empathy. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I think maybe if he were more empathetic, he wouldn't have acted the way that he acted when he was the mayor. Ding dong. Probably. Probably. it. Um, do you want to move on to toast and roast? Let's toast and roast. I have a toast. I'll go first. Please do. I want to toast the Food and Drug Administration this week. Have they finally Um, done something worth toasting in this administration? They did, but it's like in a kind of funny way. So there was a new policy change um, by the federal agency that, you know, that monitors foods and drugs. Basically, now, once the uh, once animals are done being tested on in the development of various foods and drugs, they can be. Uh, adopted out or transferred to shelters. The old policy was that animals that were tested on in trials were euthanized, Mm -hmm. even if they were healthy. So um, first of all, that's horrific that 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 was the the situation before. (laughs) But it's good that the rule has changed. Here's something that's a little strange to me, though. The policy took effect in November, and they're only just now disclosing it. Like, dude, lead with we're saving the puppies. That's something literally you lead with. they should have released this information with the video of the freedom rides that the dogs take, uh, which yes. are about the most heartwarming thing you can possibly do. But Erin, maybe there will be a cat that needs adopting. Maybe Eleanor needs a sister. Oh, my God. She would be furious with me. Well, you know, she's got to open her heart. OK, if she's a true progressive, she needs to she needs to walk the walk and talk the talk. She's she's our she's she's still giving a side eye to her dog brother. But <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, it's it's great. This that the animals, um, a lot of beagles are used in lab experiments and it's great that healthy ones are going to be able to be adopted. So I guess toast to the FDA. Thanks, FDA. Um, Alyssa, do you have something? I would just like to send a shout out to Elizabeth Warren, who continues to persist. She was erased uh, from a poll this week, which was pretty incredible because the explanation after everyone went batshit that she was not in this poll, because it takes a minute when you see the results, you're like, well, did she not make it? And it's like, no, she wasn't in it to begin with, which is fucking nuts, is that when the folks who conducted the poll were pushed on it, They were like, we had the fifth slot and we decided to go with Amy as if the fifth slot was reserved for a woman, right? Like imagine having done Amy and Warren and not have included like Mayor Pete. (gasps) No one ever. So anyway, she's been asked about it a hundred times and she's just like, fucking I take a licking and I keep on ticking. So just shout out to her. She will not be erased. Yeah, and I am I am like you guys are all hearing us from something we recorded before the debates. I am really looking forward to what she's going to do. You know, I feel like debate. she's coming in just like loaded for bear. Mm-hmm. And that's nothing yeah. against that's I love bears and no one should hunt them. But <laughs> I think that she is I think she's going to bring it. Yeah, I'm excited. And uh yeah, a toast to Elizabeth Warren for keeping her head up and staying staying on task even though people are kind of bullshit garbage people people are bullshit garbage people <laughs> that's a great way to end this news segment um we have to take a break uh, Alyssa, stick around i think i'm going to as a chef and a restaurant owner i'm as meticulous about my cookware as i am about my ingredients that's why i love made in cookware Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. 
It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware. Okay, welcome back. We're at the point of the show where I'm at a table with one person and there is a, through the magic of technology, a laptop set up and I can see two other people that are thousands of miles away. This is, the the modern world is crazy. We've gone too far. We live in a surveillance hell state where our neighbors' nest cameras can capture our faces and turn them into law enforcement. But also, I can FaceTime you guys from across the country. And people can literally discount everything we say as coastal elites. Shout out. Yeah. Are any of us actually from the coast, though? Alyssa, you're from upstate. Oh, wait, you're from the coast. I'm from Massachusetts, but it's in a city. It's a city surrounded by cities. Is it? No, there's a river. I'm I'm deeply from Baltimore. Shout out. Okay. Fair. I'm I'm the only one. You guys are all elites. Oh, yeah. I'm the real salt of the earth here. Me for president. Okay. Um, I'm going to introduce everybody at the table so that we can get into our topic today. First, a woman who needs no introduction because I introduced her in the last segment. It's Alyssa Mastermonico. So lucky to have you for a long chat today. All day. All day. Uh, next up, she's a writer who's sitting next to me in Los Angeles. It's Riri Cheney. Oh, my God. It's so nice to 3D be here. <laughs> she's the only one with all three dimensions. It's I just true. really, I, the contours of life to be next to you are so beautiful. <laughs> Riri's crying. She's crying ice cold tears. Yep, that's my spirit. <laughs> and last but not least, um, so great to have you back after a long break. Uh, she's a writer, comedian, performer who you can see at the Bell house on february 26th and also you can check out her album which is dropping that day it's called generation z-way because her name is z-way and she's here today hi Hi, z-way hi thanks for having me i'm so glad to see your beautiful face oh my god i'm glad to see your beautiful face well, the lighting here is awful. Yeah, you can't see us. <laughs> um, I am excited to talk about this with the group that we have here today because all of us are people who work pretty hard or feel bad when we're not working hard, totally. which I think is a very yeah. specific type of person. <laughs> um I want to talk a little bit about hustle culture, um, which is a sort of performative desire to work, a performative enjoyment of being overworked and the sort of way that both social media and our current like economic late stage capitalism has driven us to. Um, so Z-Way, since it's been the longest since I've seen you, yes. Um, what do you think of when you think of hustling? Like, how do you understand what it means to hustle? I think of people tweeting hashtag beast mode, hashtag grind time and other like hashtags to, <laughs> to celebrate how much they are working themselves into an early grave. Mm. <laughs> I mean, do you, are you somebody who feels like your hashtag grind timing ever? Well, I'm a millennial, so I have to hustle to keep my health insurance. (laughs) Tough out here, you know? That's real. (laughs) Um, Alyssa, you've been around the longest. (laughs) Wow. Oh, Um, let me just tell you something. Uh, At Alyssa Mastro 44 on Twitter (laughs) is turning 44 IRL, and I'm older than everyone and younger than I've ever been. Clap it up. Clap it up for this lady. That's oh, beautiful. yeah. So my hustle, got to tell you, I'm lazy as fucking old age. I don't want to do anything. <laughs> I don't. Good. I don't. I burned myself out in my 20s and 30s. And now if someone wants to do a conference call, I get annoyed. Um, <laughs> but for all of those years before I became really just 
I mean, I'm, I'm obviously not lazy, but I just don't want to do anything. But before that, no, it's like, you know, when I was young, okay, so I want to work in government, but it doesn't pay anything. So what am I going to do? I'm going to be a nanny. What else am I going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to be a hostess on the weekend. And, you know, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I just, when did performative workaholism, we'll just call it that, um, when did it become a lifestyle? Social media, whenever yeah. Instagram, the day that Instagram was invented is the day that we all started to perform how much we work because we saw mm-hmm. people get 10,000, 50,000, 20, like 120,000 followers off of like the illusion of being so driven. Um, and they were able to turn that, those followers into cash money. Um, That's a good point. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think, yeah, I think it's so public and so shared now, but like... And I, I listened to a lot of Jay-Z lyrics about really like stacking paper in the in the nineties sure. and like and grinding and like are you about your are you about your money? Are you about like getting moving forward? What are you how are you continuing to like be better than the people around you? And that was around how I grew up a little bit of like, I, I didn't even know, I knew my mom had two jobs. I didn't know she had that third job, but she just told me about two weeks ago, oh. <laughs> like casually in her now just luxurious wealth is like, I <laughs> but had here's three a question. jobs. You didn't know. So it really was. But yeah. here's a question. Yeah. So was, would you consider that performative though, to have three jobs to survive? Or is there like a separate society for the performative aspect of work versus actually having to make ends meet? That's a fair, that's a fair point. I think she was doing it for like, like food. Um, (laughs) But I do think there was a little bit of like that early aughts, late nineties of like, Entertainment Tonight people going to Gibson, <laughs> if, if you're at that age that I was, where it w- did feel like, yes, you're going to have like this, I have a handbag line and I also like am doing Von Dutch. And I'm like, there was this little bit of like <laughs> endorsement-y different avenues of income that was getting to us in these towns and these mm-hmm. places where that still looked far away and you need to like attain that level of diversification to like get anywhere near what these like full liberties were yeah. doing. I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of things going on here. First of all, there is the quintessential American illusion of class mobility mm-hmm. and the fairy tale of like we Dragons. can uh yeah you could just if you work hard enough you can overcome your circumstances even okay. though a lot of times your circumstances are kind of the things are so stacked against you that you have to work super hard and get lucky in order to have a chance of getting out mm. and there are plenty of people who work really hard and don't get lucky and there are some people who i mean very few people who win the lottery get lucky and then don't have to work hard but otherwise it's like but i think the other thing is um so that's one thing that's people who are coming from um coming from economic classes where they're not they don't have everything that they need or everything that they want thinking they can work their way out of it but then i also think that there is a desire by a useless class to pretend like they are working hard and doing useful things like the i am like you know i've got a handbag line and i'm you know i'm promoting this uh charcoal toothpaste that scratches the shit out of your enamel on on Instagram. You know, like all these people who aren't really, don't really have any marketable skills except for the fact that they're, people know who they are trying to represent the work that they do as something that is 
hard and valuable. Well, I think like to into what Zibia was saying about like just social media sharing this like these hashtags and like showing the work even though there, there's no work to be seen. That was the point where I guess more like cafe look at my laptop being oven photos and I'm arriving to a meeting photos like Mm -hmm. there's something people always like really loving to tell folk they're about these meetings Mm -hmm. is also like (laughs) very stressful to me yeah because it's like I'm not meeting enough like when did that like get on your spirit meeting well you guys think I was going to say, think about it, though. Go back in time to when you actually would go and buy a magazine, right? Cosmo or Glamour or any of these. Mm -hmm. How, I don't know a magazine that didn't have a how she gets it done column where they profile someone and she gets up at Mm -hmm. 430, eats four almonds, runs five miles. She's thin. She's beautiful. She saves things. She makes a lot of money. (laughs) She comes home and reads a book and doesn't even fucking deal with The Bachelor. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so, and that was seen as aspirational. (laughs) Right, that you could do everything. It was like some weird derivative of well, feminism, yeah. <laughs> and they'd always left out the fact that this woman was addicted to Adderall, and her parents were. Yes, <laughs> exactly. You know, oh, it's exactly like, right. Always just like my beautiful townhouse that like my c- c- driver gets me from. But no, I'm from generational wealth, and I've been doing this my entire life. Like I, I remember totally. the first time I loved to watch the Today Show as a child because that's just who I was. And <laughs> um, there was a I remember this piece about the, the habits of highly successful people. And, you know, going, there was a whole bit about, like, it, the most successful people go to the gym at 5 a.m. I, like, I still remember that right. from 2005, 2006. And that, like, has, like, stuck on me. And it's always this metric I have of, like, well, I'm not trying to be successful because I'm not setting my life up, like, this segment on the Today Show from, from 15 years ago. Right. And it really does, it does it elicits these feelings of inadequacy because you aren't also saving the world and like having like working at J crew and like not being gen Alliance like mm-hmm. that. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. Right. But like at the same time, I think that maybe one thing that old age has <laughs> taught me since Aaron says I've been around I forever. Said for the wow. longest. Um, I didn't no. say forever. The statement okay, was same diff. Accurate. Same diff. Like a wise tree. <laughs> no, but it's like the thing is, is that like it's all part of this like fucked up circle. Mm, totally. That you're supposed to get up early, do all this stuff so you can make money, so you can buy more shit, so you can put your shit on Instagram and show people that you have awesome shit because you're awesome because you get everything done in a day. And like as I've gotten older, I just realized I don't really need shit, so maybe I don't have to work <laughs> So hard. Totally. I was. I spent some time in Paris Ooh. recently, and someone said something really not, but not to flex. But I do have a passport. Um, and some a French man said something interesting to me. He said, uh, "French French men live live." work to live and Americans work mm-hmm. live to work which I thought was an interesting dichotomy of like how we treat like time off and like weekends versus like how the French or Europeans have like three months off like Beautiful. in the middle of the year where they can do whatever they want um, or six weeks off rather but yeah it's really fascinating how we've just dedicated ourselves to being like slaves to the culture of like capitalism mm-hmm. but I guess I mean that's the only way to exist. Yeah I mean here. and I also think that that sort of mentality kind of burns itself into your brain so that when you do have time that's unstructured you don't know what to oh do God, with yeah. it and you I feel yeah guilty. I feel so guilty it's you need weed okay <laughs> it fucking cuts through all that bullshit I mean but here's sure. but here's something that I've but I've also found the reverse of that is that when I work too hard like burnout is real mm-hmm. we've talked about burnout on the show yeah. before, mm-hmm. but burnout is like a real thing where you just get to the end you don't know when the end is coming but you get to the end and you're like I've reached the end when I was living in New York 
Um, I was not, first of all, let me preface this because this is not me bragging about my life. I was not feeding myself well. I was probably drinking too much alcohol. I was Mm. not getting enough sleep and I wasn't exercising enough, but I was working constantly. You know, I was wake, I was waking up super early to catch up on the news and develop some pitches for the daily beast. And then I would go into the daily beast and I would go to a meeting and then I would file. And then after that, a car would pick me up and take me to CNN. And then I would do a CNN. And then after CNN, I would go home and I would work on Hollywood stuff. And I would like be so wired at the end of my day that I would like have a couple drinks and then go to sleep and then wake up again and like every day Mm -hmm. on weekends it was like I would kind of go wander around Riverside Park in a daze uh, or like go to Central Park and be like wow grass but otherwise like but but you know I reached it was not healthy and then when I found myself in social situations it was like the only thing that I had going on was work work. Mm -hmm. and the only input Mm -hmm. that I was taking into my body was like my brain was like was like was just like withering you know I wasn't like really reading anything for pleasure I wasn't watching anything that wasn't oh I'm watching this because I need to know about this for work Mm -hmm. I'm doing this because I need to do this for work like and I became I became so like completely enmeshed in it that it was like when I was out in Los Angeles where things are a little slower because here's a quick secret between New York and LA we get started at like 10 in the morning out here it's beautiful um but I think it's (laughs) And we're, we're already, you're already, through through, I think, <laughs> I but what we should do is start at 6am. So we match with you guys, but mm. we're like, no, we start at 10 by the time you guys, and you're like super like high, you know, anxiety. You're like, wow, are you? it's 1am. It's 1pm. We have like four hours of dealing with you guys and then your day is done. Mm. And then we just kind of fuck off for mm. the rest of the day. It's yeah. much slower out here. I really like it. <laughs> it's really nice. <laughs> but it's, but it was an adjustment for me because mm. my brain was fucked with thinking that I have to work all the time. What am I doing when I'm not working? Um, Alyssa, totally. have you ever found yourself like experiencing guilt from not, I mean, right now you're settled into your coziness, but. No, I mean, now I'm just the fucking coolest I've ever been. No, but I mean, come on, after I left the White House, you know, I was so ready to calm it down. And I went into such a depression because it turned out that like for all those years, I was deriving my Mm -hmm. self-worth from how hard Mm -hmm. I worked, right? It's like whenever anyone asked me anything, and and it's it's separate from it's the fact that I was at the White House, but it was like, nope, I work like six and a half days a week and I rescued a cat and I did like, and that was like my fucking vibe. And then when I was done, I felt like I I was nothing. Yeah. You know, and I I really did that. I was just like, I'm nothing. I don't matter. Totally. You know, that it's like I'm not working, so I don't matter. And I really, I mean, like, truly, it took me some Wellbutrin, some Zoloft, and a whole lot of time to get through that. But but it's a lesson I learned that I think the reason that I feel guilty, I don't feel guilty now, is that I know I can never go back there. I never want to go back there where it's like what I do as my job is who mm-hmm. I am. Totally. Z-Way, do you ever feel that way, that what you do as a writer and performer is like you have to be working on it or you're not doing what you should be doing mm-hmm. all the time i think especially because we are contractors in entertainment so i feel like if i am not working my hardest at any given moment my moment mm-hmm. will be up and i'll lose my opportunity to have my that breakthrough part. um so i actually do struggle with that but um my one of my favorite actresses alexa demi she has this really interesting quote in interview mag about how she has to get out of her own way to succeed mm-hmm. um and so i'm learning with my therapist shout out to her um <laughs> to just like stop trying to control the impossible accepting what i can't control and be present and not be so mean to myself for not being a perfect laborer mm-hmm. 
because that's mm-hmm. impossible. Riri, you seem to be nodding in agreement to that. Oh, yeah. Do you have anything to add? Oh, yeah. Like, a, a, a yes to everything. I mean, I think I feel I'm in this weird middle space of like, I had a very, I had like the Hollywood 20s version of what you described where, I don't know if you heard it, but Hollywood has assistants that they don't treat well all the time. Yeah, they're, and, they're not nice. <laughs> and I was one of them. And so that was very much how I lived of just like 12 hour days and drinking too much and also only spending time with other assistants who had 12 hour days and drinking too much. And so we were all like just echo chambering. This is okay. And we'll make it through this. And once we get through this, we'll just keep working harder and be okay. And so I've just, I was on this grind for a long time. And last year I had some time off for the first time since moving here and I collapsed. I like my whole, I didn't know how to deal with anything. And as someone who like deals with depression, I need a certain amount of business mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and to and structure in my life. Otherwise, it does devolve into not great things. So I I feel kind of stuck in this like place of like, don't give my anxiety more fuel by feeling bad that I'm not working on that script that I thought I that I know I need to do and also preparing for this meeting and also and and trying to get these jobs and hustling versus giving myself the space it takes to be a creative person and not you know like discounting the fact that my job is to think mm-hmm. and to articulate my thoughts and my imagination and not to look down on that because it doesn't look like what you know my my family working in politics and nonprofit and and that sort of thing so mm-hmm. i i think that was all to say oh my god this is all so hard and i think like we never none of us give ourselves enough credit for like trying to navigate through all of this and mm-hmm. and it, and at least totally. like we're having this conversation and stepping back a little bit and like i want to get to that sweater weather like emotion of like <laughs> i'm good with how much i'm doing and like it's okay but I'm not even close to feeling like that. And mm-hmm. it's, that's also very hard. I think there's also a lot of people like there are people whose hustle is celebrated, like people who are in public facing jobs and people who have like some sort of public presence. So I guess all of us, because we have social media followings. But I think a lot about uh, when it comes to like people working hard, I think a lot about people like my mom, who is like working in mm-hmm. a public school and was, um, you know, a teacher for a long time when I was a kid. And then also after she was done teaching she was uh she was teaching and then she was coming home from work and being a mom for three people totally and like there's no who's nobody is celebrating that that's just like what is expected right and it almost feels to me like the kind of normal everyday burnout of average people is something that's been like co-opted and sanded down and made into this glamorous thing that like social media stars and celebrities now pretend is theirs. Yeah, it's a movie Charlie's there and I'll mm. produce one day. <laughs> uh, a man will write it and a, a man, man will direct it, but she will produce it. She will it. produce she it. She will produce it. Um, so do you know any, I want to pose this to the table. Do you guys know anybody who is a particularly egregious, uh, 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 somebody who really advertises how hard they work that you're like, that can't be right. Oh, my God. Cheryl Sandberg. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> no, I mean, come on. How many? She was what? OK, when we were talking before about when I was talking about like magazine mm-hmm. articles, she's someone who, you know, up until <laughs> up until some strife at Facebook was pr- was profiled 17 ways to Sunday about how she gets it all done. Mm-hmm. And it's 
I want to lean out. I don't want to lean in. But yeah, she's the first person who comes to mind. Don't mind my aggressive. (laughs) I mean, she's one of those where I'm like, good for your publicist, I guess. Like that's also shout out. Yeah, like that's also these the those profiles that stick in your head. I'm like that publicist really packaged that shit real good. (laughs) (laughs) I mentioned like I always think about the Jenna Lyons one who I worshipped. Like (laughs) like, Jenna, I I love because I was a J Crew popped collar print shirt wearing bitch for a long time sure. now as I'm in um, Birkenstock in a head wrap today <laughs> but I like we've, we've had the same evolution <laughs> <laughs> but I really remember being like even the time being like whoever did this re- they really got me with this one but it is yeah. it's all packaging and it's so funny I'm so susceptible to media and so I fall for everything <laughs> and I see these packages and I'm like wow I wish I was just like this mm-hmm. person um, for sure so maybe I'm on the wrong side <laughs> It sort of reminds me of those um, those things. It's like, what's inside my purse? And oh, it's like yeah. very mm. carefully rearranged, like arranged, like here's a book on meditation that I carry in my purse. And here's mm. an unopened pack of gum. And like if you dumped out any regular woman's purse, it would be receipts. like receipts. Yeah. Crumbled up Walgreens receipts. And tissues. sadly, five almonds at the bottom of your like purse. Like two, two like dollar bills that you were like, oh, this is my change from a Starbucks. And they put the coins inside of it. And I just shoved it in my purse. But it's like, I feel like the, the, like, I remember every, like there was one that came out, one of those, it was like, this is how I work. Maybe a few months ago that really kind of crossed a line and everyone was like, no, you don't, you don't do that. It was like a woman who said she woke up at four in the morning to like meditate and do yoga. And then she went and she like had this kind of no, I read yeah. that one. She was a Silicon Valley yes. person. And it was like, yes, I read that. that. No, you don't. And if you do, don't tell people. And you know what it was? If you did, don't yeah. tell anyone because now I judge you the other way. <laughs> <laughs> Not relatable. We will never be friends. <laughs> You're doing too much. Another thing that I think about um, when it comes to productivity culture is like, I feel a lot of times when I'm trying to get work done that I am trying to do too many things at the same time because too many things are demanding my attention. And so instead of doing anything, I end up doing nothing and feel bad about all of it. Like I have 15 tabs open of articles that I want to read. I have to respond to Slack messages. I have to respond to like speaking inquiries. I have to do Mm. all this. Well, I have to, I mean, whatever. I'm like an LA multi I know, sorry. I made a face and she saw it. I mean, but that's true. You're in demand. But it's not even like me being in demand. It's me (laughs) being like, I have these simple tasks to complete. It's overwhelming. And I'm overwhelmed by them because I'm trying to do because I because I'm not really doing what I need to do. I'm like stopping in the middle, getting up to get a drink of water, looking at my phone, scrolling through Instagram for 15 minutes, putting my phone down, going on Twitter. Then I'm like, oh, I didn't get anything yeah. done. Do you guys think that like social media and like the attention economy <laughs> is making it more difficult to actually get shit done? You know what they say, a jack of all trades, a master of none. Um, I think it's like, I think that's funny because when you were saying that, I was like, maybe that's your body telling you, you don't need to do this right now. Because like, Mm -hmm. that's my kinder spirit that's telling me that. Other times, you know, I have to put my phone in a different room and turn off my router and all that really fun. Um, I wish I had (laughs) self-control stuff. But it is, you know, this isn't, isn't the thing that we can only work for like, 
20, 35 minutes at a time and then yeah is that true and then uh-huh. your brain you like if you were to focus for that period of time you can really like punch through some stuff and then you're not you're far m- more ineffective than you would be otherwise and so like mm, do we I, just use research to just like let ourselves feel better about being on too many apps i don't know See, I just take all of my cues from Oprah, you know, because I've been watching. I would watched her show for all twenty five years because I'm oh, again out. older than everyone. <laughs> That's but an accomplishment, she, by the way. That's beautiful. But she, I feel it. I'm not ashamed. But she had this one episode that will always stick with me, which was if you one, you should always make a list of the shit you need to get done, yeah. right? Because there's satisfaction in checking it off your list. But if you have to put something on your list more than three times, there is literally psychologically something holding you up, and you have to address it and you know later on it was that if you it's not just not doing it but it's like using social media as the excuse is is the excuse it's not that you know it's the same thing like why aren't we just doing the shit we have to do Mm -hmm. totally we're old enough to turn our phones off. Yeah. Wow. wow you just dragged the that was, that was so oh, harsh. That man. was really, really that was harsh. So oh my harsh. God, rip me to shreds. Um, but I think that segues well into. I mean, I've heard uh, this is another thing that I read in a magazine or saw on TV and was like, oh, yeah, I'll register half of that and it won't be useful to me. But I remember, like, you hear a lot of times people talk about the difference between working hard and working smart. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think? What mm-hmm. do you think yes. the difference is between those two things? Mm. Okay, I have a great example. So when we first were on the Obama campaign in 2007, uh, my roommate was Juliana Smoot. She was the finance director. And she was a little bit older than I was. And she was fucking tough as hell. And one night she comes over to me. It's like seven o'clock. And she's like, girl, come on, let's go. And I was like, no, Juliana, no one else has left. And as loud as she could, she's like, girl, we all got here at 8 a.m. And if they're still here, they're not working That's right. Real. And she's like, everybody should have like we and and that really stuck with me totally. that it's like that sometimes, especially in office culture, you feel like you have mm-hmm. to stay the latest to show you're working the hardest and like. No, come in, do what you've got to do. Don't get on the phone. Don't go gossip with everybody in the office. I mean, like gossip a little bit because it's fun. But, you know, it's like attacking your day with some sort of like enthusiasm because the more you do, then you can go home and watch. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I mean, I think there is, but there also is this weird culture of like, if you say I'm just damn good at my job and I got it done quicker, folk are like, oh, so you're proficient at what you've chosen to do with your life like <laughs> so it's like hubris exactly almost. but I, I feel the yeah. exact same way like when I, especially when I was an assistant which was my life before like getting paid to write words I would often just be like I'm working on something else or I'm doing something personal at my desk and people are like don't you have work to do I was like I did it I did my work. I'm, mm. I've reached out to the people I need to do. I've like realized that the best I'm going to do all day is from 10 to 12. Mm-hmm. And I get everything done between then and the rest <laughs> of the day. Like, totally. I, I want to leave at 530. I don't want to, you know, I want to make sure that my life feels as good as possible. And sitting here and f- to performatively look sad in my Ann Taylor suit <laughs> isn't that look exactly. anymore. I'm not I'm not 23. And I totally like, agree yeah. with you. Oh, God. 
I had the same experience when like I do shows at night. Um, and so I got to the point where I was doing like a show every single night and it was, and, and so it's really good because you're really sharpening your professional, like performing mm-hmm. muscle, but it, it also detracts from like my physical health. So I had to like renegotiate, like what shows am I actually agreeing to? Why mm-hmm. am I agreeing to who's there? What, like, am I just performing to an empty room? Is that, is that productive? And so I'm kind of working through that still, but just trying to be more intentional mm-hmm. about how I use my precious time on this mm-hmm. earth. Um, and that's how I think working smart. Well, is. I think they're like, especially like what you're saying and back to the smart versus hard. I, I think we're all taught that like every, like go for every opportunity and go for like every door, but some of those doors are crooked and like, you don't need to be walking through those doors. Like there takes a certain amount of you know, age and and self-awareness to know like the things you should be running so quickly and out of breath for versus like, that's not the shot for me. Mm -hmm. And that, and it's hard, especially like in, in this idea of like, you got to always shoot your shot. Like there's far too many of those sportsing things, but it, it does feel like sometimes that don't, if you're not, if you don't have the analytical awareness of like, maybe that shot is not, you're not going to make it or it's not for you. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just or take it's a not breath. worth it. Or it's not or it's, worth it. I mean, it. And, and not to, not to be right. shitty. It's fine. To yeah. I mean, but like there have been times where I'll agree to something. I'll be like two months from now, that'll never happen. And then it'll come up and I'll be like, this is a huge waste of my time. My time. You're doing. not paying me right. enough. Right. You're not, it's not going to. Or at all. Exactly. In you're not going to be in the in the room you think Who that's happening everyone <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i mean it's it's a real it's a real thing though because like i think that part of of growing as a person professionally or personally is realizing when to say no to things mm-hmm. um even though if that means that that yeah. night you're staying home and just like sorting that basket of socks Ooh, yeah. that has been accumulating for two months. Honey. So I know. Nice. It feels cleansing to oh. actually like clean something. You know when you say no to something and someone asks, oh, what are you doing? And you can reply, nothing, honey. Oh my God. The wealth of age is beautiful. <laughs> Folk will be like, you're Instagramming from your bed. I was like, yes, I am. Yes. <laughs> that, I have an appointment with myself. Thank see, you. And one of the things I think for me is is that because once I left having an office structure where you had an assistant or someone who was your buffer with the outside Mm -hmm. world. So I have thought, you know, critically about my life over the past year as I like transition into different things. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try and I'm trying it. I have a conference call with this woman next week to be. Yes. Did you read that article? Because yes, that's what I contacted. She seems amazing. She's amazing. She's so on her shit because really what I want her to do is to go through my inbox and say no to things for me because you know what the worst is and people do this shit to women and I just cannot believe they do it to men. Someone asks me to do something and like just take no for Mm -hmm. an answer. Totally. And then they come back. Well, can we change the date? What if we did this? And then you're in this negotiation, which has sucked up your mental power to be nice for the day and you're just drained and you have nothing. And it's like, so I have decided like what would make my life substantially better. And it's getting through some of those speaking engagements that come through me because I feel like a dick when I'm like, can you call my speakers bureau? (laughs) And instead I just want someone else to do it for me. So that's my, that's, that's how I'm making my life better next week. Working smart. I'm working smarter. You know what? Just had a breakthrough. Uh, Maybe sometimes representing yourself (laughs) as someone who's working all the time is one way to stave off people just like relentlessly making demands of your time. 
time. Mm. If you rep, if you no, because they're like, you got one more hour. <laughs> yeah, there's 25 hours in the day. You've got more hours than Beyonce. Um, but it's like mm. you. Uh, it, it, but I honestly think that sometimes, you know, if I anticipate a request that I do not want to fulfill, being like, I'm just really things have been crazy. I'm really busy. Definitely don't have time to do anything that you're about to ask me to do is like one way to keep people from just assuming that I have time. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But here's the thing. All the emails I get are, hey, Alyssa, I know you're super busy, but yeah. It's, and then what do you say? Yeah, you're right. I'm busy. Like, I mean, I do, but I'm just saying. And it's so hard to virtual assistant. I remember, but I remember being on the other side of that, that email, which is so hard because sometimes like the whole pick your brain culture, uh, Lord, but do you hate that. I hate, I do. And it, here's, really? here's why I don't feel that enough folk go into those uh, coffees or, or, or pasta sits with like prepared for real, 100% I agree. And if you came, I don't, if you start that coffee with, so tell me your story, honey, you did not come to this prepared. Because you don't, you don't know exactly what you're asking. And mm-hmm. I think that is, uh-huh. it's not, and it's, and I tried to be like open of spirit more <laughs> recently because there was a point when I was like, you can email me questions and I will email you back. And if I yeah. hear of anything, please send me your resume and keep it updated. And like, that was my spiel. Now I've done it a little bit more because I think I need to be more generous of spirit. But it is this thing of like, I remember being the kid asking the question. And so I try to go with empathy because we're all trying to work, at least just work smarter, harder, yeah. whatever. But Lord, some folk really need to. Well, you know yeah. what I, when I do, so I do try, especially with people who are much younger than I am, who ask me for <laughs> help. I tell them what to come prepared with. Mm. Like I've stopped giving them the rope to hang themselves. I'm like, okay, if this is what you want to talk about, let's do this, this, and this and be prepared for real talk. If you don't want real talk, then we should do this another time. <laughs> That's because, good. Right. I mean, I'm open to, to it. I need to do that. I, I'll You're open to it. You like that? to you like to get Yeah, I'm open to it. Well, I because that I wouldn't be in the place I am today had I not reached out and picked so many comedians' brains along the way over the course of the last 10 years. Yeah. So I think I owe it to the community to give back to people behind me. Um, but I definitely understand people waste my time frequently. <laughs> so I'll, I'll do calls, but I like to talk on the phone while I walk to the train. So for me, it's like, I, f- I feel like very Dion and clueless. Um, like, <laughs> just like, I'm just like gabbing on my phone with my gals. Um, but I understand people waste your time. But I, I, my biggest issue with that is that I'll be honest and they'll be disappointed and never follow up <laughs> because mm-hmm. I'll be like, actually, you know, the key to being like a successful comedian. And I wouldn't, I don't even know if I'd describe myself as that is like a lot of hard work, a lot of time by yourself, a lot of like going to shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is not useful t- to someone who wants to cheat code. Yeah. It. So, yeah. 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 I think that the, the, like picking you the emails, like, can I get together with you and pick your brain? I like, I'm more along the lines of Z-Way. Like I usually say yes to people, especially if it's somebody that I think maybe gets passed over Mm. um, by like the industry. If they're not like a typical, you know, person that you would see in a writer's room or somebody. A guy named Matt who like did improv. (laughs) (laughs) You're describing my Um, (laughs) ex-boyfriend. But uh, like a couple of them. Um, But (laughs) but uh, no, but but I think like especially like young women who are trying to go from one place to another or people that are from a rural area or people from a non-traditional background. I try to take time to talk to them. But I also think that the cheat codes thing is real. Like people want just like a shortcut into doing things. I always tell people to read more. 
Like, yeah. read more. You're, I do, too. It makes you more interesting. It's real. Yeah. I read Born Standing Up. That was the first comedy book I read, and that really set me on my path. Yeah. Read a book. Oh, Zibay, did I tell you I read? I did. I, I, I texted you about the Octavia yeah. Butler thing. Oh, my God. It blew my face off. She's fantastic. She's Octavia so Butler good. is one of the best writers in American culture. Yeah. Just just fucking amazing. Um, I want to close this conversation by discussing a woman who does appear to do everything. And I want like our theories of how that happens. Elizabeth Warren. Mm. How? Mm. I don't know. How? Broccoli? She feels it. That's the thing. (laughs) I feel like she is fully fueled. By her guts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that she's just fucking persistent. Health. She's, she's nonstop. I, I want video of her eating things like guacamole and burgers mm. to know that she is fueling her actual body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a mega no, freeze, baby. Like she's not trying to prove anything to anybody. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, she has a utilitarian haircut. Yeah. She's just oh, got everything. Really? The, she's just the moved, outfit. The movement. I know. And a 14 second, smooth. 60 yard dash. <laughs> yes. That dash. <laughs> Anytime she she's sprint. jogging, I'm like, that's a woman with a plan. Like, it's so. I mean, I don't know. I think, but that's also part of the reason why, you know, she gets ignored and, and there's backlash against her. It's because there is this, like, very middle school principal thing happening here. And I love my middle school principal, but (laughs) there is like this like efficiency in her, you know, she has lists and you know that there's like, she has that bounce back email thing in case she forgets something. Like it feels too thought out because she's thought out, thought it out. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) But no, that's what I, but that's what I think about her. But then when I look at her, utilitarian ish haircut and the fact that she essentially wears the same outfit every day. I feel like she sat down with herself and was like, I want to do this. How am I going to take the stupid shit out of my decision making process brain power so I can focus on these other things. So I just like mad respect for those Tahari outlet blazer she's got. I mean, <laughs> she like Marie Kondo'd her schedule. Yeah, what doesn't yes, spark joy? That's exactly right. Like no, only joy. Yeah, only joy. No, only like, joy. Budgets. Joy. <laughs> Plans. Plans. Joy. Oh, so I'm gonna wear the same outfit every day. I have this selfie haircut. Pinky promises. Yeah. Joy. Joy. Yeah. Zway, do you have a Warren theory? How do you think Elizabeth, like somebody like Elizabeth Warren, who seems How to have she like, do it? yeah, endless energy she has to do a it. Huge team of people who <laughs> wave and help her. She make it, infrastructure, get it done, honey. <laughs> yes, we, we love a point. We love a good organization. Trust me, honey. Can't wait to build my own. Love a, so love I respect a pyramid. That. Love like I love she. She definitely has charts, just like reporting charts. It doesn't exactly. get to her unless it's supposed to get to her. Exactly, yes, and time. that's ideal. That is and ideal. also, let me just say, her headquarters is like exactly what you would want to see. It's some folding chairs and some folding tables and selfies on the wall. I yeah. mean, like, it's like they just live the e- the EW ethos totally. from like sunrise to sunset. <laughs> well, I think a good lesson from her is, is pick the things that you want to be good at and ignore the bullshit that doesn't matter to you and see what happens. If it doesn't feed you, do not let it pull you down. That's a wow. That's advice. that's deep. That was um, thank you, definitely RuPaul Charles. <laughs> oh my God! His mother told him that as a child, and it has fed him. And he is six nine, so obviously it worked. Wow, that's great advice. Great advice. That's real. Um, that's real. Let's take a quick break, but when we come back, let's do the hills will die on. Shh. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Okay, we're back. We've reached the part of the show where we get petty about things that don't matter very much. It's the hills we'll die on. Let's get started with our listener hill. Hi, Hysteria. This is Deanna in Atlanta, Georgia. And the hill that I will die on is that filmmakers need to figure out a better way to film the post-sex get out of bed without showing my boobs. It's super awkward in every film I've ever seen. No woman I know sits up in bed, clutching her chest for modesty, (laughs) and then does the inevitable awkward swivel off the side of the bed while still clutching the sheets to her chest so that you can't see her boobs. Figure out a different way. Use some sort of creative filmmaking so that you don't see her boobs and she gets to act like a normal human person. That's all. Bye. Yeah, you know what? It's true. You don't have to take your shirt off to have sex. Some of us... That's also yeah. wild. That's what you yeah. got from that? that- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that was her pitch. I think that's good- like, Yeah, I mean, it's. but I think like, produce, like Hollywood people are like, how do we imply like that he got to touch the boobs but yeah. also like hide the boobs from us I don't know I don't know I that was a that was wild that was beautiful I mean I immediately thought of the first episode of Affair Maura Tierney didn't take off her shirt and I still remember it <gasps> yeah and I was hot. like that's that is efficient morning sex that is look at that realism Sarah Treme. Um <laughs> but but I think yeah I was just trying to I was just miming it um as that was playing and there is I think people just gotta be titty forward more. I think that's I think that's <laughs> yes. my answer to yes. it. Free the nip. Let it be. Yeah, just let it be. Or show more realistic get down, get 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 real. That's mm. called oh, porn. Cool. Have you guys seen porn? You can watch it. What? <laughs> Where is it? What's that? Realistic. Do you get have to down. pay for it? Is <laughs> it <laughs> I don't I thought it was just sketches. I thought you had to see it on walls and temples. Is it yeah, temple? Temple. You go look at temple. That's what mother carvings? always said. <laughs> <laughs> One day you'll get to go to Greece, Rivi, and you'll see poor. <laughs> oh, I love that your mom is like a mid-Atlantic actress from the 30s. I know. Yes, it's there. It's there, Catherine. I'm walking along cigarette. Yeah. I... <laughs> uh, one day she'll hear that. Um, who, who else has a hill? Do you have a hill, Rivi? Is... I do have a hill, and um, it relates to what we were just talking about. My hill is that I need to start getting less texts from Elizabeth Warren. And it's, I think it's all, whoever your candidate is, I think we need to just be getting less text messages. And it's not, it's not due to apathy. I care. I, I work to care. It's more that when I hear my, if I have my notifications on, if I hear a text message, I think it's a friend saying something nice to me (laughs) or like someone wanting to see me. And then it's not, and then it makes me sadder than I was before. (laughs) so, So it's, 
it's mostly just I want human connection. And these texts make me think it's that. And it's not. It's asking for FEC filing money. <laughs> I, just, I can't do it. I was getting a sandwich yesterday and I thought it was a homie and it wasn't. So, <laughs> But yeah, donate to your candidates. <laughs> <laughs> or at least once you donate, can you give us a week off? Yes, yes, there needs to be like, unless it's like right before your primary or right before, fi- like, I need a break because, homie, like, it's too much times are rough. Yeah. Like, I, my emotional and fiscal accounts cannot, they're depleted. They're depleted. I can't be getting these texts. This poor woman called me yesterday from the, and I thought it was like someone random. So there was a lot of salt in my voice when I picked up, and she was the sweetest. She did the thing of like, I'm not going to pronounce your name. Right, um, Miss Cheney, and I was like, "Way to, way to handle that!" <laughs> I apologize for picking it's up the vote <laughs> with such like so many feels. I'm in line at Whole Foods for my sandwich, but yeah, <laughs> I need a break. My a break. my biggest concern is like I get them from because I've donated to multiple yeah. campaigns, and yeah. so I get Bernie texts, I get Warren texts. Uh, I have not donated to Mike Bloomberg because he doesn't need it, but it, I've gotten a Bloomberg text. I really need. Bernie and Warren to get on a group text mm-hmm. with me. Agree. Uh, talk about it amongst yourselves because I I can't handle both of you. <laughs> no, both of two. Everyone's too fervent. Yes, too much so. Um, <sighs> I have a hill. What's your hill? It's a quick one. Um, so Valentine's Day just happened, which is the I guess it's like sort of a sexy holiday, but whatever. Uh, Valentine's Day just happened, and so I've been you know like most like a hetero woman. Uh, I've been getting a lot of like lingerie, like targeted ads, mm-hmm. like it's Valentine's Day, fancy underwear. And they've noticed a troubling trend that people are trying to market sexy rompers. What? Like for day or for, for, for like a for like a like a piece of lingerie uh, that is a sexual romper. Gross. Wh- what? No, but like the Does whole it have no, snaps? no, like, no. What? It's just a one piece. It's like a it's it's like a chaste mess around outfit. Like there's no, it doesn't make any sense to me. Okay, first of all, a regular romper, you have to take off all the oh, way to, yes, to, to pee. pee unless you have excellent aim or are disgusting. <laughs> but like a, a sexual romper, it's like, what is, how does this, have you thought this through? Also the dismount on that, like really, you're like really yeah, vibing you gotta it out. Yeah, bend over yeah. and twist Ew, around. Like and, so much. Yeah, that yeah, doesn't feel it just, thought out. It doesn't seem like a great idea. And uh, yeah, somebody somebody needs to do something Wait, about I'm, it. I'm now thinking like who's really out there with like I don't l- know. a lace romper being like, this is what it is. <laughs> it feels <laughs> urban outfitters Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like someone would wear it as a whole outfit and put on a long duster coat over the top. Yeah, I mean, it feels like if it's a performative, if if you're a stunt queen, maybe. But this doesn't sound stunty. This isn't the stunt you want to pull. Yeah, I don't think. I'm just very. I mean, whatever. Live, you know, live the life that you choose to live. But think through a sexual romper before you commit to it, because. <laughs> it just seems like a poor idea. Um okay, who wants to go next? Can I call Sanity Corner? Yes, you can call Sanity Corner. Okay, I'd like to tell you guys something I am doing to make myself feel good. Ooh. Okay. Okay. So my niece JJ, my only niece, she's turning 2 in May and I am oh. teaching myself how to make buttercream roses Ooh. to make her cake <gasps> so that it looks like uh. it came from 
Wallbaums, but it's really that I made it. And I have to tell you, it's satisfying as fuck. I went to Joanne Fabrics. I got all the little attachments. I've been watching YouTube videos. <laughs> you guys wait for it. It's I'll, I will obviously do a whole series on Insta Story about this when I get good. But I am feeling cupcakes with roses on it for her maybe day. That's fresh. Thank you. Oh, Thank you, Z-Way. They're, they're so going to be the color of your romper. Ooh, go off Just my sexy romper. <laughs> it's sexy, but it's not a sexual romper. Yeah. Yeah. Speak for yourself. Romper. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Z-Way, do you have something? Sure, yeah. I have a sanity corner, but I'll also do a hill. My sanity corner is my art. Shout out to making art, yo. What a scam. Um, I, dro- I dropped my <laughs> web series, and I'm dropping this album, and obviously have the show at the Bell House on February 26th, 8 p.m. Subtle. Pop show. Pop. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free. Shopify.com slash podcast free. Free. 